The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. knows that when we eat well, we live well. When we live well, we have rich, vibrant lives. By focusing our eating on properly prepared, nutrient-dense whole foods, Kelly Hill teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Now here's your host, Kelly Hill. Welcome to Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. The biggest questions people ask me all revolve around clarifying issues regarding labeling. And truthfully, sometimes it takes me a while to find the right answer. It's not always as easy as just Googling the word natural or reading the front of a product that says zero trans fats. Unfortunately, for the average consumer, there is a lot of misinformation out there which can make it difficult to know what to do or who to believe. This certainly isn't a new topic on the show, but as always, I like to find experts to help us all better understand situations that listeners and clients are concerned about. So I tracked down Michelle Simon from Eat Drink Politics. Michelle's a public health lawyer specializing in legal strategies to counter corporate tactics that harm the public's health. She's been reaching out and writing about the food industry and food politics since 1996. Also an expert in alcohol policy, for four and a half years, she served as research and policy director for Marin Institute, now Alcohol Justice, an alcohol industry watchdog group based in Northern California. Her groundbreaking 2007 report on alcoholic energy drinks led to federal action to ban the dangerous products. Her first book, Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back, was published by Nation Books in 2006. She lectures internationally on corporate tactics and policy solutions. She has a master's degree in public health from Yale University and received her law degree from the University of California, Hastings College of Law. In 2013, Michelle was awarded the National Association of Nutrition Professionals Community Award and the Nutritional Therapy Association's Award for Excellence. I'm honored to have Michelle joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well. Thank you so so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, the name of your website is eatdrinkpolitics.com. So what does that mean? Well, it means that, um, you know, eating and drinking isn't as simple as it may seem. As you said, there's a lot of confusion out there in the marketplace, and too often we forget that there's a you know, an industry and actually several industries behind a lot of the marketing messages that we hear and also in very involved in our policy making to really undermine our ability to access and understand truly healthy eating. So truthfully, these days, politics, food, and beverages are all kind of interwoven. Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, you wouldn't think just something as simple as going to the supermarket would involve politics, but unfortunately it does. It does, unfortunately. So the the thing that I think people are are most surprised when I'm talking to them is that the food and beverage industry pays scientists to conduct research on their behalf, which releases lovely positive results, but never disclose the conflict of interest. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, in, in some cases, the conflicts are disclosed, so it's you know you can't say 100 percent of the time. But too often, there are studies that are um, conducted with corporate money, industry-funded studies, and those conflicts of interest, which we know arise. In other words, there's a direct relationship between the outcome of a study and who's funding it, um, and yet those conflicts aren't always the um, publisher of the study or certainly not by the um, you know, media outlet that's often dumbing down the results, you know, getting the sexy headline like mm-hmm. diet soda is good for you, um, you know, <laughs> never mind telling us that that study was funded by the, um, you know, artificial sweetener industry. So can you give an example then of how researchers may have been influenced by funding from large corporations? Sure. Well, there's actually a really interesting review that was conducted a few years ago by some public health researchers that lined up all the studies that were funded by the soft drink industry to show a connection to obesity and studies that were, you know, from other sources, not industry sources, to show the same thing. And lo and behold, the studies that were funded by industry didn't show as much of a connection between drinking too many soft drinks and obesity and as did the independently funded studies. So that's just one example of how we know there's a direct cause and effect between the outcome and who's funding the study. So how are consumers supposed to know what to believe then? Right. Well, you know, I mean, there's a couple of sort of common sense rules of thumb. You know, one is simply if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And the other is, you know, unfortunately, really doing your homework. So it means if you, you know, hear a headline, definitely don't just take, you know, the media outlet's word for it. Unfortunately, said media doesn't do their homework or they even get it completely wrong. Um, You know, if you're so inclined, these days on the Internet, it's not too hard to find the original study. Sometimes it's fully available even online. See who funded it. Um, Take a look at it for yourself. But, you know, really so much nutrition information comes down to common sense. I mean, I don't think we need research to tell us to not be drinking Coke and Pepsi or even Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi, right? So I really think that... Too much, uh, there's too much confusion being caused often by an excess of research and certainly by industry marketing messages. So I think if people just stick with pretty basic common sense, you know, eat real food, not too much, that kind of thing, then really the details of nutrition science um, become less important. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the politics of nutrition with the help of Michelle Simon from Eat Drink Politics, and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Find more information at eatdrinkpolitics.com, where you can also pick up her book. Remember, Sensa Care is providing 10 lucky listeners the opportunity to try the eco-friendly bamboo toothbrushes. They're biodegradable, naturally antibacterial, and won't increase waste in our landfills. Enter to win at the therightnutritionplan.com. Use the giveaway quick link on the right-hand side. You can hear this entire show as well as past episodes anytime, anywhere by downloading the free mp3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. So, Michelle, how often have you found that misinformation gets disseminated at a point where it just becomes truth almost. Mm -hmm. Well, it does happen every so often. I find the most common um, bad information that gets out there are um, studies that say something in contrary to 
<laughs> established research or even common sense. So, you know, headlines like hamburgers are now good for you or, you know, diet soda, which is the most recent one I mentioned, um, you know, turned out to be A-OK. I mean, really, headlines that just kind of defy common sense and decades of research, those are the ones that the media kind of gloms onto because it's sexy and new and interesting when, you know, the reality is that the study either doesn't show that or is funded by industry or, of course, the science is much more nuanced. And we can't establish science on the basis of any one study anyway. Right. So what else can we as the consumer look for to help us determine the truth? Are there, th- are there words or things out there if, if I do the research and it says, you know, whatever, the, mm-hmm. the beverage industry or whatever, you know, because uh, you know, they never say that. They always have some sort of tricky little way. What can we look for when we're, if we're just doing mm-hmm. this our research on our own? Right. Well, I um, recommend uh, a few things. One is um, looking up who who is being quoted. For example, if someone's being quoted in uh, a newspaper article defending something that doesn't sound quite right, you could find out if that particular academic or representative has um, some industry ties. That these days isn't so hard to find out. The other thing to look out for is um, what are known as front groups. So, you know, if you see a quote from Coca-Cola, that's pretty obvious to figure out that that person has a bias, but that's not usually who's being quoted. It's usually either a trade group representative, for example, the American Beverage Association represents the soft drink industry. That's a pretty good tip-off, too. It's a, it's a lobbying group. But front groups are groups that sound like they are the good guys. So a really good example is the Center for Consumer Freedom. They sound good, right? They must mm-hmm. have my yeah. best interest at heart. But, in fact, they're completely funded by the food and beverage and, and it turns out, alcohol and tobacco industries. And so looking out for certain buzzwords of these types of groups, like freedom, like council, there's one called the International Food Information Council. Almost sounds like a government body, right? Yes. So if you hear that word council, or institute is another one. I mean, Nestle has an institute, right? The Nestle Institute. Wow, that must be important. So these are all the kinds of buzzwords that industry is using to get you to think that they are legitimate when, in fact, they're funded by industry. Yeah. (laughs) So how many public interest groups who are supposed to be educating the public, they've, they've formed alliances, basically, with the food industry now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a whole other problem. So in addition to the groups that are obviously industry, and we have the groups that are supposed to be on our side, but in fact have formed partnerships. So I put out a report on the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. This is the trade group that represents the nation's some 74,000 registered dietitians, people who are on the front lines of telling Americans how to eat right, And unfortunately, that trade group is um, pretty much in bed with anyone you can imagine in the junk food industry. And so it is really hard to know who to trust from groups like that who seem like they should be putting out the right information or, in fact, also um, compromised by who they're taking money from. And so, you know, again, it's really a matter of doing your homework, not believing anything you hear just because it sounds like it's coming from a reputable source. Wow. It, it's, and I know that there was a time frame, I don't know, it's been a while ago that, yeah, a study came out and I, I really tried to track that study down. I found it had been quoted over a thousand times on, you know, just Googling it uh, and no such study ever existed. It was unbelievable. Yeah. 
It, yep. uh, it, it took a lot of people at Rutgers going through it to find it, to find out that it had never been, <laughs> that had wow. never done, been done, but they yeah. had been quoted thousands of times, according to mm-hmm. Google, um, and just no information there, uh, and, and very reputable sources yeah. repeating that quote. Um, right. Yeah, unfortunately, in the age of the internet, you know, where information flows so easily, those kinds of um, mistakes are just, you know, outright deliberate obfuscations and lies are, you know, very easy to amplify. It makes it very, very difficult. Um, We are discussing the politics of nutrition with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. You can get more information at eatdrinkpolitics.com. On the website, you'll find some of these fascinating research reports that she's talking about, articles uh, as well, not only about food policy, but alcohol policy, industry tactics, those reports, and of course, a link to pick up Michelle's book. All this information information is at eatdrinkpolitics.com. Remember to enter to win one of free 10, 10 free packs of bamboo toothbrushes on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter or Facebook at The Right Plan or email me at eatwelltolivewell at The Right Plan. Don't forget to grab a seat in my new upcoming free webinar, Three Myths That Are Keeping You Feeling Overweight, Exhausted, and Unable to Reach Your Goals. Now you can access a previous recording to hear the webinar right away or sign up for a future date. It's all at therightnutritionplan.com. We'll be right back to continue this discussion about the politics and nutrition with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Want energy all day? Ready to lose fat without feeling deprived? Tired of complicated weight loss programs? Wish there was a way to lose weight without processed and unnatural food? It's time to jumpstart your metabolism in a healthy way, the Kelly Hill way. This easy-to-follow two-week fat loss program has a 100% success rate to date. It creates and maintains overall health while reducing fat. You'll have more energy, think clearer, feel better, and have lost fat. All while following the two-week menu plan of simple recipes that use real, natural food and include healthy tips for every meal. The two-week fat loss program is a clear, easy-to-follow plan that will help anyone get back on the road to optimal health. Order the Right Plan Nutritional Counseling two-week fat loss program today at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Not only can you learn about new and fascinating nutritional products at therightnutritionplan.com, but you can win them too. Every month, The Right Plan features a nutritional or innovative product like the ECO Lunchbox, pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin protein powder, fudge sauce from Wax Orchards, Zorba's handcrafted raw chocolates, coconut oil, and so much more. And every month, one lucky visitor will win the product to try themselves. It's easy to enter. Just visit therightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. After you've entered the giveaway, check out some of Kelly's delicious recipes that not only will please your taste buds, but your waistline and health as well. At therightnutritionplan.com, you'll learn more about all the wonderful nutritious options that are available to you and your family. Remember, everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose in the right plan. Rightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. 
Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. If you have a question for Kelly, you can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now let's get back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue to Eat Well to Live Well. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today, we've been talking about the politics of nutrition with Michelle Simon from Eat Drink Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Visit eatdrinkpolitics.com to learn lots more information. You can keep up to date with everything that's happening by following on Facebook at Eat Drink Politics, on Twitter at Michelle R. Simon, and that's Michelle with one L, or visit her very informative YouTube channel. Easy connecting links to all of these right on the website, eatdrinkpolitics.com. So we've talked about front groups and kind of just having some some general doing your own homework and not believing everything you hear, and some public public alliances, and you talked about the Dietetic Association, which is basically one of our, our, you know, aligned with our government. So what about the government? The U.S. dietary guidelines are considered the authoritative source regarding nutritional information, and uh, although the newest guidelines are a bit better, I've still argued against following them. Um, How can we, you know, can we trust these recommendations? Well, you know... (laughs) It probably shouldn't come as a surprise that dietary guidelines coming out of the federal government actually are a bit tainted um, by politics, and basically it's because the first it starts with the committee that's chosen to you know review the science, and there's politics right from the get-go, and who gets to be on that committee, and then even if you know the scientists are relatively free of um, industry influence, which rarely happens, but let's say a few of them are, um, the recommendations they make then go into what I call the political black box of, you know, federal government review, and then out the other side comes very compromised recommendations. So they very rarely reflect the most up-to-date science, and to the extent that they do, the messaging that comes out is very twisted. So, you know, instead of clear-cut messages like, eat less meat or eat less sugar, it'll be moderate your intake of sugar or choose lean meats. You know, these kinds of very um, safe messages that industry won't be upset by. And now these, this is happening because the people that are helping make these guidelines have some sort of tie to In some these cases, various companies. In some cases, it's true that members of the committee do have um, industry influences. But, 
even besides that, even without that, we still have, you know, industry basically beating down the door of those who make the decisions, you know, with the final guidelines to make sure that the messaging um, doesn't ruffle their feathers. How in the world did we get to a point where Nestle gets to decide what's healthy for me? Well, welcome to America. I don't know what to say. You know, this is the way our political system works, that those who have the most money can buy the most influence. And, of course, it's true whether we're talking about food or the environment or, you know, labor. So it's just, you know, it's not something that's specific to food. It's just that it maybe affects more people with food, um, you know, because we all have to eat. But it's just the American way. And so is that, you say it's the American way, is this something that other countries are facing too, as they, especially as they import more of the American standard diet? Yes. Well, there's no question that um, developing countries that used to, you know, rely more on native diets are um, shifting to Western-style diets along with all of the Western-style chronic diseases and health problems that go along with that. And um, it's not to say that there aren't the same political challenges in other countries. But I, I do know from talking to people in Canada and some countries in Europe, you know, they're often astonished at just how blatant the political influence is in this country. And while they certainly have capitalism, you know, in other parts of the world and suffer from the same challenges that come along with that, I think our political system is just particularly uh, susceptible and, and set up for the types of outright bribery that go on, goes on here. And now this this type of um, I'm going to call it corruption personally mm-hmm. from my pers- my perspective. Uh, now that's something that you're working on and have worked on to to try and and bring this not only to light but to make corrections. Is yes, of course. That's what we'd like to see. I mean, you know, I think it's fair to say that with the right. Um, pushback with the right organizing of people, right? I mean, it is possible, and we certainly have examples of where people are able to organize themselves to push back against, um, you know, the very moneyed interests of industry. And it's not to say that it's impossible, but it does take, you know, we don't have money on our side, and so we need people power. And, you know, there are various groups, and that's the good news. I mean, the food movement is growing every day, and there are um, many, many efforts to push back against these corporate influences, and, um, you know, I think that will continue to grow. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the politics behind our foods with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics, and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Visit the website at eatdrinkpolitics.com for more information. You can also connect on Facebook at Eat, Drink, Politics, Twitter at Michelle R. Simon, or visit the YouTube channel, Eat, Drink, Politics. If you missed any part of the show, download the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, The Right nutritionplan.com and don't forget to enter this month's free giveaway enter at the right nutritionplan.com just click on the giveaway link on the right hand side now you talk about it a people movement uh, or grassroots types movement and last year october 21st in 2013 in fact a sandra lee from the institute of responsible technology joined us on eat well to live well to discuss genetically modified organisms gmos for short and i happen to live in jackson county where our mm. local grassroots effort uh, just recently passed a ban on GMO mm-hmm. farming and we were well out financed but so and, and obviously we're in the minority and 
So where do we stand now as a country on GMOs as, as you see it? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's something that you've been, been battling, of course. I have a lot about that topic, and congratulations to your little county for Thank beating you. <laughs> Monsanto and Big Ag. That was a really fantastic victory, and I think a really good Very example happy. of what I'm talking about, right, where people do rise up and say, no, we're not going to take it anymore, and we are going to actually let democracy take its course, right? So that's what we're talking about is making sure that democracy isn't undermined by corporate pressure. And I think that the whole issue around GMOs and particularly GMO labeling is really a good example of where there is this rising people's movement. And it's been fascinating for me to watch as an advocate and who's followed, you know, many different issues um, and seeing this really unstoppable movement to um, get GMO foods labeled and in, you know, in your case, actually ban the technology completely. I mean, it's really quite um, impressive and I think we should be inspired and take lessons from it and, and you know, where it's going to wind up, it's unclear because industry still has a lot of power at the federal level. And so, you know, the, the game isn't over yet, but there is this growing swell of support for that issue. I found it very interesting, you know, working on that campaign down here, how um, how the information was so twisted and so fear-minded. And mm-hmm. I, we have, a, of course, a larger elderly population, and, you know, um, getting them to think that they might lose their regular services like fire and sheriff and all this if we had this ban was absolutely unbelievable um, because it just it it just screams in the face of intelligence and yet was I, I'm still hearing people say well gosh you know this is what's this is what may happen now yeah. And and to me, that's not democracy. I mean, because those are, they're just lies. I mean, flat right. out lies. And yet it was lies that was disseminated again and again and again with, I, I mean, with no recourse really in the short time frame, especially of a of an election to even fix it. It just had to right. be accepted. Um, and so I'm, I'm I, the word democracy almost seems like it doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, you make a good point, and I certainly wrote a lot about that very tactic of just outright lies and the GMO labeling campaigns first here in California two years ago and then in Washington State, and it is it was stunning to me, too, and I've seen lots of dirty tricks played by industry over the years, but I haven't seen the outright lies, and that one I hadn't heard, taking away, you know, your, your basic services for something that has no relationship whatsoever to those services, but, you know, industry doesn't have the truth on their side, and so when you don't have facts, when you don't really have a good argument for why this is a good technology or for why, you know, consumers shouldn't have their basic right to know, you have to resort to lies. It's basically the only tool left in your toolbox because you're outdone with the truth. And it's sad, but that's what they do. And they, they really know there are no bounds when it comes to um, spreading lies. And you're right, it is very challenging for a campaign to counter them. I mean, I witnessed that firsthand. And unfortunately, you know, we lost in California because of the lies that were spread on the GMO labeling campaign here. So good for you for your folks not to fall for that. At least enough of them didn't. But I, you know, I don't have an answer to that except that we have to call it out. We have to, you know, educate people as much as we can about this is the way industry operates. 
And I think that the education piece and, and you know, why I asked you to be here is so critical because it is it is almost confusing at this point with all the, the different streams of information where they come from and they're saying completely different things. Yep. No, it's true. I mean, you know, and, and it's, it's frustrating because what I have found is that fear, and that's what you're describing, that particular lie, that they're going to take away your basic services. And in California and in the other GMO labeling campaigns, the fear factor around rising food prices, right? I'm sure they use that one, too, that, oh, my God, mm-hmm. your prices are going to go through the roof. Um, so that's a very effective tactic, right? I mean, we know that scaring people is, is effective. That's how a lot of campaigns get won, unfortunately. And they just know what kind of emotional buttons to push. And again, it's because they can't use facts, so they resort to emotions instead. Well, unfortunately, it seems to be working in many areas, so we will keep fighting it. Fight the good fight, I guess they say. We're learning about the politics behind our food system from Michelle Simon of Eat, Drink, Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Learn more at eatdrinkpolitics.com, where you can also pick up her amazing book. We'll continue getting more great information after the break. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health. Using nutrient-dense whole foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. In this new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the vibrant you. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat to reserve your seat today. Not only can you learn about new and fascinating nutritional products at therightnutritionplan.com, but you can win them too. Every month, The Right Plan features a nutritional or innovative product like the ECO Lunchbox, pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin protein powder, fudge sauce from Wax Orchards, Zorba's handcrafted raw chocolates, coconut oil, and so much more. And every month, one lucky visitor will win the product to try themselves. 
it's easy to enter. Just visit therightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. After you've entered the giveaway, check out some of Kelly's delicious recipes that not only will please your taste buds, but your waistline and health as well. At therightnutritionplan.com, you'll learn more about all the wonderful nutritious options that are available to you and your family. Remember, everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose in the right plan. Rightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. This is Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. Have a question for Kelly? You can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Joining us today is Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Visit the website, eatdrinkpolitics.com for more information on a host of topics from food policy, alcohol policy, industry tactics, reports, and of course, a link to pick up Michelle's book. You can connect with her on Facebook at Eat, Drink, Politics or Twitter at Michelle R. Simon. Now, one of I want to get to some of these nutrition labeling myths, truths, because it, these are things that people consistently ask me, and you know, I, I give my opinion, and but I always like to have other people, well, truthfully reinforce the opinion. Let's just be honest there. Which, <laughs> um, so, one of my favorite myths, truths, myths, truth. I can't even talk. Is the zero trans fat label? Can you explain why zero doesn't mean zero in America? <laughs> right. So um, our Food and Drug Administration, in its infinite wisdom, has allowed a company to put zero trans fat on the front of the package, even though the um, product may contain trans fat, because according to the FDA, if a product contains less than half a gram per serving, then you can basically round down to zero. And so it is confusing to see something. That's why you'll never see on the front of a package that that has trans fat, um, trans fat free. You'll see zero grams of trans oh. fat, and that's because they round it down from below half a gram to zero, and that's basically allowable under FDA law. But you know, if you eat enough of those products over the course of the day, eventually you could um, consume too much trans fat so that it would rise to the level of being um, unhelpful for you. And we certainly know that trans fats are potentially hazardous to our health. And it's amazing to me how even doctors don't know that. I had a client who had MS and so absolutely should not be, you know, of all people should not be having trans fat. And Mm -hmm. that particular, her doctor recommended a product that had exactly that it said you know no or zero trans fats yeah. and but was made with hydrogenated oils <laughs> and yeah. and she's eating it every day right right well i mean that's why you know what it really comes down to is um not i feel like we tend to focus too much on ingredients right when we talk about what's helpful and so you know we go through these cycles okay before it was palm oil and so then we got trans fat in the food supply oops that was a mistake you know so now they're going to come up with some gmo new oil that's trans fat free i mean so it's really not about the particular sort of chemical ingredient that is in the processed food. It's about the processed food itself. So, you know, I think if we just stick with, again, the basic common sense to to minimize as much as possible, it's not to say to get rid of processed foods because that's hard to do, but, you know, to just 
not worry so much about like this processed food versus that processed food, but actually minimize all of them and eat real food. And then you won't have to get tangled up in these confusing marketing messages. Well, that brings me to another perfect one that people always ask about, the word natural. What does that really mean on a label? Well, according to FDA law, absolutely nothing or very little. The FDA does have a very minimal um, definition, which is basically no artificial uh, colors or ingredients. But, you know, food companies these days are slapping the natural label on pretty much anything to get consumers to buy their products because the surveys show that consumers like when a food is labeled natural, and they're even confusing it with organic, which is a whole other problem. But basically, the word natural really has no um, meaningful definition, and what we're finding is that it's, it's being placed on packages that really are very questionable when it comes to, you know, a healthful diet. And there's even been um, a number of lawsuits filed against companies that are using the natural label, for example, with products that contain genetically engineered ingredients because, according to Monsanto, GMO technology is not natural. That's why they're able to patent it. And so, you know, lawyers are saying, well, gee, there seems to be a disconnect there. And so, you know, there's a lot of concern over this type of marketing and FDA is even being asked to specifically divine natural, and they don't want to have any part of it. They're, you know, saying, no, 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 we're not going to get involved in that. And so the confusion reigns. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing labeling misinformation with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics, and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Find more information at eatdrinkpolitics.com where you can also pick up her book. Remember, you can hear this show or past episodes anywhere. That means while you're listening at the gym, driving around, before bed, anytime by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com where you can also enter to be one of the 10 lucky winners of a pack of eco-friendly bamboo toothbrushes from Sensacare. Enter at therightnutritionplan.com by clicking the giveaway link on the right-hand side. So the FDA has made some um, out, you know, outlined some foods and said we have, to, we have to live within these guidelines. And then back, what, I think it was late April of this year, the FDA finally announced some proposed improvements to nutrition labeling. What should we expect to see now? You mean on the nutrition facts yeah. label? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the FDA um, did make a few proposed changes, and, of course, some of them are um, not making the industry happy, so it's hard to predict what's going to happen through that process. But I would say probably the most significant um, changes that folks might see if they get approved, uh, and that's a big if, but the calorie count or the Font size for that number of calories on the nutrition facts panel is going to like be blown up. I don't remember how many thousands of times, but it's going to be pretty large. You certainly won't be able to miss it. And then the other big change will be a break a breakout of added sugar. So right now mm-hmm. you can see the total um, number of sugar grams in a product, but for products, for example, that are dairy based, where there's a combination of naturally occurring sugar and added sugar, right now a consumer doesn't know how much added sugar that product contain. So FDA is going to require that breakout of added sugar so that people can know um, that distinction. That's the one that's particularly got certain members of the food industry upset because, you know, sugar is the 
sort of bad ingredient du jour right now, and so um, they don't want consumers to know exactly how much sugar they're adding to products, God forbid. So um, we'll see if FDA holds firm on that one. So walk us through, you know, because we, we, we all read the big information that, oh, look, the FDA is proposing this. So the FDA has proposed it. And, and what you, you said, if it gets approved. So what's the process now once the FDA makes mm-hmm. this yeah. recommendation? Right. So federal law requires, and rightly so, that the federal government put out proposed regulations. That's usually the first step. Um, so there's a proposal out there. Uh, all of us are given some period of time, sometimes like 60 or 90 days, to comment. So this is called the public comment period. And um, actually, FDA uh, just extended the comment period because, you know, industry often feels like they need more time to get their comments together. And so, so we're in an extended comment period um, where anyone, you know, obviously mostly the food industry, but advocates as well, can um, submit their feedback to the FDA. Well, we like, you know, the big font size, but we don't like that added sugar thing. Or, you know, what you forgot about was added salt or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. that people want to comment on. So, so that all gets to FDA and and then, you know, the sort of black box that I mentioned earlier happens where FDA goes through the comments and the political shenanigans then go behind the scenes and then expect a long delay. Um, and this is what we've seen with many different uh, rules coming out of FDA or USDA where the federal government sort of sits on the final rule because there's so much political pressure being brought to bear to having them actually come out with, you know, a law at the end of the process. And industry is already um, whining about how they want more time to come into compliance. So in other words, even after the rules are finalized, FDA is not right now proposing to give companies two years to come into compliance, recognizing that they have to put new labels on, and that's a big deal, especially for big companies. But I noticed that the Snack Food Association, and yes, there is a lobbying group for snack foods, is asking for a four-year implementation phase-in period. Well, if you do the math, that means the Obamas will be gone <laughs> by that time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't take too much to figure out that they figure, well, if we just get, you know, those pesky Obamas out of office, maybe this whole thing will go away. Um, but even with the Obamas in office, we're seeing this kind of um, delay tactic from the White House uh, for really important food regulations like food safety, like menu labeling for chain restaurants. That's another one that's been delayed. So delay is really the name of the game when it comes to politics. If, you know, if there's delay, there's inaction. Well, I think it's been 20 years since they did anything on nutrition labels, if I remember right. Yeah, I think it's actually 30. So the first... 30? Uh, oh, wait, 1990. Yes, sorry. Getting my year, my decades mixed That's up. Okay. So 1990, you're right, was the original nutrition label, and um, we have not had an update since then. A lot has happened nutritionally in the last 24 years. It certainly <laughs> has. And there's been a few... Changes here and there, for example, FDA um, did require trans fat labeling in there. So this is just the first sort of major overhaul um, of the label, but we've had, you know, one or two tweaks in there. Well, hopefully they'll, it won't uh, sit in that black box too long, but, uh, well, we'll see what happens, I guess. Time will tell one way or the other. Well, we have okay. to take a short break. We've been talking with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics and author of Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Check out the website, Eat, Drink, 
thebigpolitics.com for more information. Great blogs and incredible articles, as well as many of these research uh, connections that Michelle's telling us about right now, as well as a link to purchase Michelle's book, which New York University professor Marin Nestle called Brilliant and made required reading for all her nutrition students. So this isn't just a, a piece of propaganda out there. This is the real stuff, people. So pick it up. You can connect with Michelle at uh, Facebook at Eat Drink Politics, on Twitter at Michelle R. Simon, and of course, fantastic videos, lots of information there on YouTube at Eat Drink Politics. Easy connecting links to all of this information right on the website, eatdrinkpolitics.com. Catch this entire show as well as past episodes by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website. If you're interested in learning about the three myths that are keeping you feeling overweight, exhausted, and unable to reach your goal, grab an online seat for my new webinar at therightnutritionplan.com. It's free also. We'll be right back to continue this discussion about the politics of nutrition with Michelle Simon. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. Want energy all day? Ready to lose fat without feeling deprived? Tired of complicated weight loss programs? Wish there was a way to lose weight without processed and unnatural food? It's time to jumpstart your metabolism in a healthy way, the Kelly Hill way. This easy to follow two week fat loss program has a 100% success rate to date. It creates and maintains overall health while reducing fat. You'll have more energy, think clearer, feel better, and have lost fat. All while following the two-week menu plan of simple recipes that use real, natural food and include healthy tips for every meal. The two-week fat loss program is a clear, easy-to-follow plan that will help anyone get back on the road to optimal health. Order the Right Plan Nutritional Counseling two-week fat loss program today at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the Vibrant You. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. 
For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreats to reserve your seat today. You're tuned in to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. You can connect with the show by emailing Kelly at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Follow Kelly on Twitter at The Right Plan. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today we've been talking about the politics of nutrition. All of this thanks to Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics and author Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. Visit our website, eatdrinkpolitics.com to learn more, read interesting articles and reports, like all about deceptive health claims and if nutrition professionals are getting paid by large corporations, and of course, what all this means to your health. It's all at eatdrinkpolitics.com. Remember, you can be one of 10 listeners who will receive a free pack of eco-friendly bamboo toothbrushes. Brighten your smile while saving the planet this month. It's free, so enter to win at therightnutritionplan.com. Just click on the giveaway link on the right-hand side. Now, next week, I'm going to walk you through a few of the myths that people frequently ask me about and give you some easy-to-follow tips to decrease your weight and have energy all day by just making the best choices when you're eating at or when you're shopping at your grocery store. No, no big tricks here. Simple things you can do when you're grocery shopping all on your own. I'll do my best to cut through all this misinformation that we're talking about, just like we are right now today here with Michelle Simon from Eat, Drink, Politics. So, Michelle, one of the things that I, I, we talked about, we go all the way back to that first segment, we were talking about how, what consumers can look for, and we talked about front groups and, and you know, to do our own homework and, you know, think things through if they're too good to be true, it is. And, and some of the words they use, counsel, freedom, institute, all those to investigate. Where does the fact that now we have industry t- trying to rename things, like we went through the, the uh, corn issue corn where sugar. it was high, yeah, corn, high fructose corn syrup, and they tried to rename it corn sh- sugar. Uh, is this, do you expect more of these? I mean, that one went down, luckily. Um, but, it, you know, it, I, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that there, this isn't the last we're going to hear of these renaming. Oh, no. Well, industry will find any way to spin their unhealthy processed ingredients and products is good for you because they know there's a movement if it you know, among many Americans to eat healthier. So, you know, and there are other examples. One of the other ones that actually has been sued over is um, evaporated cane juice. And that's something that Chobani yogurt, which positions itself as oh so healthy, um, never mind all the added sugar, but they want to dress up the name sugar by calling it evaporated cane juice, despite the fact that FDA has actually warned companies against doing exactly that because it's simply sugar. But you put the word juice in there and you give it a fancy name and maybe somebody will think it's not really sugar. So there's all kinds of ways that industry is already hiding the names of their unhealthy ingredients. And sugar comes in many different forms and is often split up among the ingredients in the ingredient list, so you can't even um, understand that it, how concentrated it is. So that's another trick they use, you know, using different names and then spreading it out among the ingredient list because the ingredients have to be listed in the order of, you know, in the order of appearance, so to speak, so how, how much of it is in the product. So instead of having sugar be the first or second ingredient, they'll split it up into six different forms and spread it out among the ingredient list. 
I, and, you know, it used to be my mom would uh, tell me I could have any cereal I wanted as long as sugar wasn't one of the first three ingredients, which <laughs> as a kid, there were not very many choices. Um, That's a good and, rule. Yeah. And, well, now it wouldn't work because they do exactly that. that I picked up one yeah. the other day, 13 different types of sugar in that, wow. uh, where if you had added them all together, right. it you know, it, it would have been the first ingredient, but it right. made it look healthy because I think it was oats or something was the first one, but then 13 different types of sugar. Yeah, it's a really good example. Another trick is honey. So like honey nut Cheerios, because honey is sounding healthy, but honey is not the main source of sugar. It's just barely sprinkled on for some flavoring, but it's mostly just to make it sound healthy. It is a tricky little thing they're doing. So if people want to find out, you know, uh, we're, when we're talking about the FDA proposed improvements and, and you said there's this opportunity to give feedback, if people are interested and they want their voice heard, where where do they go? Well, the place to give FDA feedback is regulations.gov, which is, you know, can be a little wonky to figure out. But there are some advocacy groups out there um, that are fighting the good fight. And for the Nutrition Facts panel specifically, I would recommend checking out the Center for Science and the Public Interest, which is based in D.C. and is doing a lot of good work on that particular issue. But there are other groups if you're interested in, for example, marketing to children, which is something we haven't actually touched on but is an issue I that's know, very important. I know. I said that at the beginning that I felt yeah. like there was so much information. I, I, know. I, I had a hard time thinking about questions because I wanted to make sure I at least stayed on one topic and focused because there was just so much exciting things to talk about. <laughs> it's true. But for that issue, I would recommend a group called the Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood. And they're doing really wonderful work trying to curb marketing of all kinds of children because they're all connected. And then another group I work closely with is the um, called Corporate Accountability International, and they've been doing some really great work um, taking on McDonald's, and they just did a great action bringing um, some dozen moms to the McDonald's shareholder meeting, and they told the CEO what they know how they thought McDonald's was targeting their children unfairly. So there's a lot of great activities going on, and I always just encourage people to find the right um, action or group that you want to support. And it's not enough to just sort of make sure that you're eating right, that we have to go beyond that and make sure that there are policy changes put in place to ensure that healthy eating is truly available to everyone in society. So it's not just a matter of, you know, making personal change, but we have to make political change as well. So the places that you've just mentioned here, now this is where people can find real, unbiased, independent research information in order to make uh, educated decisions? Well, I was pointing out groups that engage in advocacy efforts. So you're asking where can people go, say, you know, to help yes. tell FDA what to do. And um, as far as, you know, research, I mean, like I said, I, I I don't really rely on any one group for research information. I I don't really think it's even that necessary. I mean, I feel like there are groups that are fighting for political change, and that's, of course, often based on good science, and I trust certain groups um, to do that. But, you know, just who's out there doing good science, well, I'm not that interested. <laughs> no. Okay. No, that's yeah. good. It's good to know where people, you know, because it, it, it's difficult sometimes. You, you know, there's so much information out there if we can at least wean it down so we're not spending, you know, all of our lives trying to find the, the right group. 
Well, I, I oh, think, you know, again, it's finding the issues that speak to you. So, you know, another group, for example, would be the Organic Consumers Association, if you're really interested in what's going on with organic standards. Or, you know, Cornucopia is another one that really is fighting hard to defend organic standards. I really do think it, it sort of depends on what particular issue is, you know, near and dear to your heart and who you want to follow, who you want to support. So that's why, you know, it's hard to recommend any one or two groups. I just mentioned a few that I work closely with because those are the issues that I care about. Well, today we've talked about the politics behind our nutrition and food system and why it's so important to us. And thanks to Michelle Simon from Eat, Drinks, politics and author of appetite for profit how the food industry undermines our health and how to fight back check out eatdrinkpolitics.com to learn more about what's happening regarding nutrition and politics as well as these other policies that we just barely had a chance to to mention there's a lot of great information out there uh, just look at eat drink politics and you're going to find uh, a bevy of things that could possibly ignite the fire within you to start making a change. Connect with Michelle on Facebook at Eat Drink Politics, on Twitter at Michelle R. Simon, and of course, fantastic informative videos on YouTube at Eat Drink Politics. Easy connecting links to all of these right on the website, eatdrinkpolitics.com, where you can also pick up her book, Appetite for Profit, How the Food Industry Undermines Our Health and How to Fight Back. This was an amazing show for everyone interested in nutrient-dense whole foods and finding out the truth regarding our foods. I feel like there's so much information to cover today that we'll definitely have to have you back to continue this discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle, and helping to explain some of the most often confusing information being told to us today. That was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Next week, I'll continue to clarify the information available when we discuss some of the myths you may be following that are keeping you from losing weight and feeling great. Until then, remember, when you eat well, you live well. So join me every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. See you next week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Live Well to Eat Well with Kelly Hill. You can listen to the program live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Everything you eat has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.